Welcome to the Healthy Moms Podcast with Katie from wellnessmama.com. Today, Katie again joins Katie Kimball, founder of kitchenstewardship.com and creator of the Kids Cook Real Food course. Katie Kimball is a teacher and mom of four kids who eat their vegetables and even help cook them. She is the creator of the popular Kids Cook Real Food course and author of seven cookbooks. In the show notes of this episode, you can find out more about Katie's course, Kids Cook Real Food, and get access to her no-cost three-video series that includes many lessons for teaching your kids how to help in the kitchen. Let's join the two Katies in this episode as they share their best real food shopping tips and budget-saving ideas. Katie, welcome back. Last week you were here talking about baby steps to eating real food and you shared some amazing tips on pantry staples and switching out some of those processed box foods that are so popular and that make dinner time easy with real food options that are also simple and easy. And this time I can't wait for us to dive in and talk about some of our favorite real food shopping tips and tricks. So welcome. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you. You make me blush by using words like amazing because I feel like all I do is little tiny things. Um, And I guess the little tiny things stack up, but I'm hoping that that's encouraging to the listeners too, that it's just, they're normal. They're not amazing. Like they're normal little things that anyone can do. And it's just a matter of stacking them up tall enough to kind of reach your goal. Yeah, I love that. That's a great point. Um, And your recipes, they are so good. And I feel like for someone, especially making the switch, just having, knowing what those little things are in the beginning, even if they are simple, can be so helpful. I know even, um, gosh, almost a decade ago when I started this, there weren't as many blogs, but I would find just a little tip on somebody's blog and be like, oh my gosh, why didn't I think of that? That's so helpful. So, and your whole blog is that. Everything I feel like that you write is, oh my gosh, that's so helpful. So good. Um, And one thing that you are also so exceptional at is that, so you have four kids, um, you have a lot of kids also, and you also follow a budget as I do as well. Um, And so I would love for us to talk about some of our favorite best places to shop, especially on a budget. So where are your go-to grocery stops? Well, I go to Costco and Aldi is kind of a new refreshed love in the last year and a half or so. Um, we in Michigan, we have um, Country Life Natural Foods where we can order in bulk. And that would be similar to the one you mentioned on the last episode, the Azure Standard. Um, and then I think, gosh, I, the name's escaping right now, but there's another one that's maybe more of the West Coast. Um, but any, really, any co op would be similar to that. But so ours is called Country Life. Um, here in Michigan. And then I do go to Meyer. That's our, that's our like big box store. Although I find myself going there less and less and less. Like it's almost down to just once or twice a quarter, basically when I need vegetables that the others don't carry and it's not farmer's market season. And that's, that's the last place. Of course, you got to shop at the farmer's markets, but it's a limited, I'm in Michigan. So it's a really limited period. It's like two months where there's really good food there. Yeah, we run into that too. And I'm loving right now this time of year because everything's in season and even we have asparagus where we live. And so we've been eating asparagus for pretty much every meal. Um, But yeah, we have kind of the same shopping options here. Let's talk about Aldi a little bit because I know when I first got married, I went 
in it and thought like, this is all kind of processed food or the produce wasn't really organic. And I kind of was turned off to it and then rediscovered it as well about a year ago and realized they have done a whole lot of um, bringing in organic options and just more real food options. So what do you look for at Aldi? I do buy a lot of produce at Aldi. Every time I compare the prices of basic things like cucumbers and oranges and cherry tomatoes and um, carrots, bananas, like the things that we buy every single week, Aldi wins. So that's kind of my standard because I know I need to refresh the perishables weekly. And then I'll do like Costco maybe once a month, once every six weeks and buy a ton, you know, a ton of stuff because that's mostly my non-perishables. I'm, I don't end up getting a lot of uh, produce at Costco. Um, so for Aldi, a ton of produce, their uh, wild-caught salmon is for sure the best price around that I've been able to find. Um, and then we do, uh, we do kind of take advantage of their new or Simply Nature organic line and their live G-free, gluten-free line. So I'll grab like gluten-free pasta. Um, and that's usually where we end up with our cereal for our once a week, like our Friday cereal day. We'll get their, their gluten-free cereals are really good. And it, I, the ingredients are, it's surprising actually. Like when you read the ingredients on their processed foods, you know, I'm always looking for the worst things, you know, the soybean oil and the hydrogenated stuff and the artificials and the preservatives that, you know, I mean, I, I expect to see some things that I wouldn't use in my kitchen and that's, that's okay. Like that's part of the 80, 20 for me, but I try to stay away from like the far extreme, you know, like the true chemicals that are, that are only made in labs. Um, and, and Aldi has, ha- has uh, adopted a policy that they won't use in their brands. It's three things, MSG, artificial colors, Oh, and something else really important. Maybe it's trans fats. Um, so that's that's huge. And I'm constantly impressed when I when I look at the ingredients of things like, you know, they they have great organic tortilla chips. Um, they're not the Costco's a better price for them. But if I know that we're not going to finish a whole bag, or you know, or I need to take it somewhere where we just need a smaller bag, it's you know the organic ones. Uh, corn chips are great, and then they have some really good. Um, like bars, nut, fruit and nut bars and um, nutty bars that are kind of like a kind bar. And those, again, the ingredients are, they're always surprisingly really good. And then uh, as far as a couple other pantry staples, we do uh, canned salmon there and their organic spaghetti sauce is really good. Great ingredients, no sugar. So that makes it Whole30 compliant, which is cool. That's really hard to find in tomato products. Um, And then off and on, they'll have organic canned beans and canned tomatoes, which I like to have on hand for those days when I didn't soak my beans. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we buy um, their canned salmon as well because it's wild caught and Mm -hmm. definitely the best price I have found at a store. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I'm excited to see they're bringing in even I have found um, grass-fed beef at ours a few times. And yeah. we typically try to do a cow share when we can, but if we're running out or we r- typically run out of ground beef first, they're even a good place to find those kind of things now. Yes, that's so true. That's so true. And I've actually, the last year I've been focusing a little more on budget and I thought, I thought really hard about our chicken purchases. Like I can get a whole chicken from a farmer who raises them amazingly well. And so that's where I prefer to get my whole chickens. But as far as, um, there, I'm just so busy nowadays 
that there are days when it's either I need I need to have some chicken breasts or chicken thighs that are boneless and skinless that I can just throw in the crock pot and make or else we're going to end up going out. And I thought, what's better going out to a restaurant where who knows what is in there or ordering in Chinese when, again, like really who knows what. And certainly the meat is not sourced very well, even if there are some vegetables in your meal or going to Aldi and buying the conventional chicken. And so that was the decision I made about a year ago that once a month, once twice a month, I'm just going to use Aldi chicken and I'm just going to say, you know what, this is poorly raised and gross, but it's so much better than going out to eat. And so that's kind of, that's one more thing that we get at Aldi, dirty little secret. Sorry. <laughs> no, I think it really truly is about balance. And like you said, if it prevents you from going out to eat, which for our family, not only could save a ton of money, just one meal eating out is a lot. Yeah. Um, but also at least you can make everything else in that meal, really good ingredients, and you can add spices that are really healthful or add extra vegetables, then you're still kind of winning in that regard. Right. Versus the French fries that the kids would certainly choose if you're at a restaurant. Exactly. Fried in yep. like the vegetable oils and trans fats and everything. Yep. How often do you guys go shopping? Do you, is it once a week? Or are you there every other day? Or do you try to do like the once a month big shopping trip and get everything? What does that look like for you? It is once a week or less. Um, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty tight about it just cause I can't afford any more time to go anywhere else. So when we, we usually get down to where I'm going, okay, we're down to carrots for dinner instead of carrots, cucumbers, pea pods, and cherry tomatoes. It's time to go shopping. <laughs> we're out of, we're out of fresh food. Um, so it's at least not at least it's maximum once a week. Sometimes I end up stretching it to once every two weeks. Um, and we do it, still end up with fresh vegetables the whole time, but we end up with the things that last longer, like carrots and cabbage salad instead of lettuce salad. Um, so like I'll try to buy lettuce and cabbage. We use the lettuce first, and then the cabbage lasts so long before you cut into it. So then we'll have cabbage salad kind of the second week as I'm trying to figure out which day I can go. Um, and then, like I said, about once every six weeks probably, I'll hit Costco and you know, have a little bit of sticker shock on the checkout, but I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to come for another six weeks. So this is okay. Because I know for things like cheese and frozen fruit and uh, dried fruit, nuts, uh, a, lot of, a lot of the purchases that I would get in bulk anyway, Costco's a better deal than Aldi. And that's, that's part of, um, that's, that's a real food shopping trick. And that's really important is to spend some time and write down you know, your staples, the things that you buy regularly and do a price compare because I was actually really surprised. I thought that Aldi would win on a couple of those things like cheese, um, but Costco hands down, like it's a huge savings to get cheese at Costco. And the caveat is that you have to be able to finish it. You know, like my mother-in-law and father-in-law, they, she like loves Aldi. And if they tried to buy a 24 ounce block of cheese at Costco, they would throw away like 18 ounces of it because it would get green and moldy before they finished it because they're only two people, right? So for her, like she should totally get cheese at Aldi. For me, 24 ounces of cheese goes really alarmingly fast. So Costco is the clear choice on that one. Yeah, definitely. I feel like at our house, because we don't do cheese that often and I'll try to choose good options when we can. But if I just left a block of 24 ounces of cheese on the counter, I'm pretty sure my kids could just eat it. I think so. Yep. <laughs> yep. And that's another compromise place. Like I don't always do raw organic cheese um, just because it's not, it's not always easy to source. So I'll try to do, um, Costco has the, what's it called? Kerrygold brand, which is at least better. Yeah. At least better sourced. It's kind of grass-fed-ish cows. <laughs> 
And those um, are delicious too. I've tried those. Yeah, They're amazing. They are good. They are good. So you, it's, it's at a certain point, you just got to have something to eat. Yeah, exactly. Starvation is not a good option for kids. No. Um, so in the next episode, I can't wait for it next week, we're going to talk about teaching kids to cook real food, which you are definitely an expert at. And I feel like you tie in your teaching skills and also your real food skills amazingly well for that. Um, but I'm curious, do you take your kids shopping with you as well? Because I think that um, is high on my list of ways to make my own head explode is to try to take all six kids shopping. So do you do that? And if so, how do you manage that? No, I would never take six kids shopping. No, that's not true. Because sometimes you would just have to. Um, I wouldn't do it on purpose, though. I, my big kids are in school now. So my kids, just for reference, are 11, almost eight, four and a half, and 18 months. Um, so my two big kids are in school all day. So generally, during the school year, they never go shopping with me. Um, sometimes in the summer, they do end up with me or like on Christmas break or something. Um and it's great because they basically just help entertain the little ones. And my oldest, Paul, he'll, I'll give him jobs and kind of just delegate, you know, go get seven cucumbers or whatever. And, and he knows what to do, partly because when my kids are four and under or five and under and they're at home during the day, they definitely come with me. Um, it's kind of, you know, it's just an event. They don't always love it. But I think it's a good teaching experience or teaching uh, opportunity in a lot of ways, it's a good way to teach about food. It's a great way to talk about numbers and counting. Uh, you know, again, we're talking the preschool and toddler age because they're stuck. They're right there. They can't run away. They're in the cart. And generally, you know, your littlest one is staring you right in the face like a foot away. So it's a perfect opportunity to just talk. So I always tell parents, like, if you're, you know, if you're stuck taking your kids grocery shopping, like, make it make it a teaching experience and just talk about what you're doing. Mommy's grabbing this and mommy's grabbing that. And we're going to count our seven cucumbers. And obviously I always get seven for seven days in a week. Um, you know, we're going to count this and that, and they might try to, you know, help weigh something and you can talk about how a scale works and here are the numbers. So I, for me, it's a really good chance and a reminder to practice a lot of those preschool skills and talking about lead the letters we see. Um, and then my kids love, they love helping at the checkout um, at Aldi, obviously the the checker beeps everything and it does it really fast, but you have to bag your own. So I'll kind of delegate some of the bagging and, you know, again, you can talk about counting and putting cold things together, putting lightweight things together and heavy things on the bottom and lightweight on top. So, and even that, like it doesn't, it doesn't sound like a skill, but it's totally a preschool skill to sort and organize and categorize. And so anytime you're doing that, you don't even realize that you're helping to form your child's brain and, you know, help them become more mature and, and more, you know, academically minded. So that's, that's kind of what we do when we're at Meyer, our big box store, you can do the self-checkout, which we always choose. And so the kids help me beep the groceries. I'm sure what do we scan the groceries? We always call it beep the groceries. Um, so that's, and especially when you have produce, you're constantly, pressing the numbers on the keypad and weighing and, you know, there's a real, there's, there's a lot to do with math there. So it's a great, it's a great teaching opportunity and learning opportunity. And then when I'm reading ingredients, you know, they'll hear me say, oh, nope, this one has yucky stuff in it. And they, they just start to realize, you know, mom doesn't, mom doesn't keep everything that she picks up off the shelf there, there, we have some standards here, you know, and even it's not like I talk to my four-year-old about MSG and what it is, but he knows that there is, there are some yes foods and some no foods. And then when they're older, we do talk about reading ingredients and I teach them kind of what to look for and 
what things, what things we always put back on the shelf when we see a certain ingredient. And they're like MSG and artificial sweeteners. Those are kind of, those are my two, like no exceptions, no holds barred. And there are a lot of things that I would prefer to avoid, but you know, if we're served something at a party or something, I'm not going to turn it down. Artificial sweeteners and MSG, no way too risky. Yeah, that's a good point to have the non-negotiables, but then to have the leeway on some of the ones you at home wouldn't necessarily choose. But if you're out somewhere and there's an option, you let your kids eat it. And I think that's a great point. I don't, I usually now go shopping either like late at night or I'll get up super early when the kids are still sleeping or my husband's still home and can stay with them. But the older ones do love going and they especially love the self-checkout. And I think it's probably like the best kitchen set ever because they're actually yes. really scanning it, but they love that. Yep. Do you have a plan for the checkout gimmies? Do, do your, are your kids like, do they get the gimmies when they see stuff? Not really, only because we've never, ever bought those. Um, yeah. And and sometimes I'll also bring like a real food alternative if I know they're going to ask for stuff and then tell them if you wait till we get in the car, you can have whatever it is, a piece of chocolate or whatever, um, so that they have something to look forward to. But I love the tip you said about letting it be a teaching moment also, because there was a study that came out recently, I think, about preschool-aged children and how many words they hear per day being a predictor of future success. And just oh, yeah. the, the mere act of talking to our kids when they're little um, and just, ex like you said, explaining our day it doesn't have to be that we're reading them a physics textbook, but just talking to them is such a great way to prepare their mind um, and just the way that they think and to build that thought process. And it's one of those things I'm really grateful to my mom for doing because when I had my first child, she told me just talk to them all day, even if they're not talking back. Um, and it'll help them learn to speak and to widen their vocabulary. And she did that with me. And I'm sure people probably thought she was crazy. And she'll even tell stories about, she went somewhere with me in a stroller and she was in the elevator talking about what, where we were going and what we were doing. And this guy was like, what are you, who are you talking to? What are you doing? And she's like, I'm talking to my kid. Um, but I'm so grateful that she did that because it gave me an example to do that for my kids. And I think that is a really special thing when you're there with your little ones and you can let it be a fun teaching moment, but they just see it as conversation. Yeah. And I think baby wearing plays a big role in that too, in language development, especially in a store. So if I've got, and my kids are all three years apart. So every time I've had a one-year-old, I've had a four-year-old, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe the four-year-old is in the cart face-to-face -face with mom and the one-year-old is in the sling. So they're both like right there, you know, right near my face. They can see my lips. They can see everything I grab. And so it's just such an experience in life. And it without, with and without talking, you set kind of your family culture. Um, when I look at other carts and what's in them, it's always very different than what's in ours. And so even without talking, my kids can see that this is how we shop. Like we have a ton of produce bags and lo and behold, they came out of mommy's purse because we reuse the produce bags instead of grabbing a new one every time. So like even without me saying anything, that just shows them that reusing and reducing our waste is normal. And this is how life works as opposed to you know, grabbing a new plastic bag every single time, you know, you need a parsnip. Um, so I think, I think as, as, a, as important as talking is, it's also a really interesting opportunity to silently create a culture of good stewardship and good, good eating habits. Yeah, absolutely. The, just leading by example. And um, one thing we did recently on produce bags, because I was the same way for a long time, I would reuse them. And then I realized like with seven cucumbers, you're kind of, you 
can't even really fit in a produce bag. So my girls are always wanting to sew. And it's one of those things that I'm like, yeah, I should really do that with them. But then it's such a, I have to supervise so much and it's such a mess. But I was like, you know what? We'll make produce bags because that's simple. They can sew a straight line. They're not going to probably sew off their finger sewing a straight line. And now we have them. So that was a fun, like mom and daughter day too. Yes. What a great idea. So, okay, any other great tips you have for sourcing real food on a budget, whether it be stores or just um, how you meal plan? What Any other great tips to share? Just one, and it's, and it's about, the, it's kind of the opposite of sourcing. So for a long time, I would make sure I bought the least expensive stuff or saved the most money when I walked into the store, but I didn't really think about how I used it on the other end. And I realized that, you know, no matter how inexpensive you can get your cut of meat or your side of beef or whatever, if you're using two or three pounds of meat in every meal, you're still, you know, your end of month budget is still going to be quite high. So if you know, if you're really working on a budget, you're going to want to plan meals with a budget in mind. So I kind of have a a system where I try to have at least one meal that's meatless with beans or beans and rice per month or per week. Because clearly that's going to be a super inexpensive meal. Um, And then we also try to do uh, something simple like cream of vegetable soup. Again, that's homemade chicken stock. It's any leftover veggies you've got and some potatoes, which are inexpensive, and then a homemade bread on the side. So that's another inexpensive meal that doesn't use beans or rice that we try to make sure that gets in every couple of weeks just just so that, that that meal, you know, is less money. And therefore, I know that we'll end up saving in the long run by how we eat instead of what we buy. Yeah, that's a great point, too. And I know um, it probably drives you crazy. It drives me crazy when I find food in the back of the fridge that I bought and forgot to use because it wasn't in the plan. So I think that's a great point is to plan around a budget and also make sure that everything you have can be used completely in that shopping trip or in that week and that you're not going to have food go to waste or you're not going to need to use, like you said, three pounds of beef in a meal because you can add in extra veggies or other food as well. Yep, absolutely. I tend to use a half to three quarters of a pound of beef and and fill in with lentils or something like that. Um, and that's another way to really to really watch the budget is just to cook up a bunch of ground beef and split it into bags that are pre-portioned at about, again, half to three quarters of a pound. Use it the same way you'd use a pound and, and the rest of the casserole or soup will just kind of fill in. Yeah, and that's a great one. I like to just keep like you mentioned earlier, keep it pre-made and frozen because Mm -hmm. it doesn't really stick together once you cook it. So you can just dump in frozen ground beef into meals really easily. And that saves a lot of time not having to actually cook the beef when you need it. Oh, for sure. And remember to thaw it the night before, you know, like a chunk, a pound of raw ground beef is a process. You have to either thaw it at least 24 hours in advance, or you got to like break it up for half an hour, (laughs) you know, in the pan, if you're not going to use a microwave, which we don't. Um, Whereas a pound of cooked ground beef, you're done. You pull it out, throw it in. Yeah, exactly. Well, those are great tips. Thanks again for being here. And I can't wait until our next episode when you're going to share some wisdom on teaching kids to cook real food, which I think is something that you do so well. And my kids have loved the course that you created. So everyone, please join us next week for an episode about that. And Katie, thanks for being here. Great. Thank you too, Katie. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Moms Podcast. We hope you'll join us again next week. Don't forget to get your free library of resources by going to wellnessmama.com forward slash podcast. In the show notes of this episode, you'll also find out how to get access to Katie's three video series of Kitchen Skills for Kids 
and find out more about her Kids Cook Real Food course. Thanks again for listening and have a healthy week.